Hi, everybody. Good morning. Man, that was, that was a great worship set. You know, I get a chance to worship uh, with screens in the back or I walk behind this curtain. If you ever see the curtain move, I'm just pacing back and forth behind the... Well, you're worshiping this way, I'm worshiping that way. So um, uh, it was so neat to just hear Pastor Brian's just wonderful prayer of refreshment over and everything. What a great morning to be walking with God. So I got a couple announcements for you. And then we are going to dive into God's Word. So the first one is that a number of months ago, we had asked you to submit names for people that you think would be good elders to be able to kind of encourage our congregation and work with us on the board. And you submitted a few names and we kind of checked some of those folks out and a few of them, it looked like it was good timing. So we're able to invite them in and, and interview them. Well, we have now narrowed it down to three Three that we are going to bring on this year if approved by you. So what I wanted to do is present out the names of these elder candidates. They're going to be going into a shadowing process, which means we've already interviewed them. They need to be able to see what we do on a week-to-week basis and see if it's a good fit for them and their family. So in announcing out these three names... If you have information that you would say, oh man, that, that person, they are solid. It'd be really neat to have them represent us. We'd love to hear that. If you say, wow, that dude ripped off my car. That would be helpful to know too. I'd love to know that in advance, right? Um, and by the way, if you don't know these names, don't make stuff up, right? It's kind of like, oh, I love that name. I, well, that's fine. Thank you. But I'd love to know about their character. That's what we're looking for. So the first one, uh, just in no particular order, the first one we'd like to announce out to you is Dale Johnston. Dale Johnston has been a big part of our prayer movement going on here at the church. He is part of my personal intercessor team. And uh, all three of these folks are actually friends of mine. This, this guy, um, very, very powerful in the areas of prayer and the prophetic and just an all-around wonderful man. So Dale Johnson, if you're familiar with him, uh, he also is part of leading a small group here at Bridgeway that we call Missional Communities. Um, the second person is Mitch Andrews. Mitch Andrews has been leading our teams to Uganda. He is also leading our Uganda Missional Community. He is a longtime, uh, recently retired Sacramento sheriff. And he is, yeah, right, I'll get a little shout out there. Um, uh, tremendous, tremendous man. The third gentleman is Anthony Seiler. Anthony Seiler has been leading um, a missional community for Bridgeway and doing a lot of work within our groups that deal with helping people with finance and in terms of generosity and pieces like that. Uh, all three of these, I can assure you, uh, from our vantage point, not only are they great men in general, but very, very high character. That is what we look for first. We look for heart first, and then we'll look for whether or not it's a good chemistry fit for the team. Um, once again, uh, get us any information that you have, both good and bad. I'm interested in dirt, primarily on Dale. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. He's sitting over here, so I'm just trying to mess with him. Um, uh, but also just use this as an, uh, as an opportunity to say, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, um, this person would also be a wonderful person for you to consider. We're trying to get a rotation schedule, which means we need a lot more names in the mix to be able to be moving those through and allow other people to step off. We recently had, uh, as uh, I mentioned to you before, Elder John Lee step off. And uh, Johnny, um, how long were you on the elder board? 18 years. Okay, so the rotating thing, it wasn't working. Are we all clear on that? So uh, if he's on for 18 years, we need a little help here to kind of rotate some people through here. So thank you very much, John, for your service. Can we appreciate... <laughs> it was... This is like a life sentence for you, buddy. So he just stepped out at the end of this last year. Uh, second announcement for you is that uh, we are launching out another rendition of our faith and culture series. 
We have done a couple of these before. So there's a faith and culture where we did a training on the supernatural. Y'all remember when I did the supernatural training? So we did Sunday nights, dug in real deep and kind of talk through some of those pieces. We then did one on healing an ethnically wounded nation. If you're familiar with that, talking a little bit about some of the racial and ethnic tensions that are going on in America. We, these are basically series where we can slow down and get a little bit deeper on the subjects. Well, we have a, a brand new one that we are launching out at the end of this month, and we will be talking through the LGBTQ um, scenario. So we're talking about homosexuality and Christianity. If you ever wondered about what's going on with issues in terms of transgender, uh, I can assure you if you are basically 30 and under, uh, this is your world. This is completely intermixing with you at all times. Either you personally are walking through some uh, challenges or you, ha- you love someone, you know someone. There are a lot of us, uh, it's either us or our family, um, but hopefully that you have someone that you love um, that is involved in this where you can kind of say, I'd love to know more. I just want to have a new paradigm, a way to process and think through some things. What does God's word say? How do we handle this as a Christian community? All that kind of stuff, right? We just want to know about those pieces. It is a four-week series. I need you to commit to all four weeks. This is not a series that you can jump in and jump out. It is only registration. Now, since this is a leadership training, we are inviting you to join our leaders. What that means is... Most of the spots are already taken. Therefore, we have a very limited amount of spots. So I would encourage you to sign up. We probably won't be doing any more announcements on it because it will already be full uh, by the time we finish this weekend. There's not a whole lot of spots left. So here's how you would register for that. You go to our website at bridgeway.church forward slash faith and culture. You just spell the whole thing out, faith and culture. That will get you into a registration form. It's very quick. But know this, it is two and a half hours every Sunday night for four weeks. It is starting on February 24th from 6 to 8.30. Once again, I need you to be there at all four if you're going to sign up and take up one of those spots. All right. Last thing is we're going to do some live polling. Can you take out your phones, please? We are going to have you interact with us. Take out your phones and I need you to fire up the app. If you do not have the app, you would go to bridgeway.church forward slash poll, P-O-L-L. But for the app, go down to the bottom, hit refresh then scroll right back up to the top and it already has a link there for you. Click on the link. Everything went smooth in our services last night. Uh, so hopefully it will do that again. But get your phones up and running. I only have four questions for you. But they come off a concept. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we are adopting that neighborhood right across the street. Remember that? That's called the Bless Project. We're going to find a way to take all 788 homes that are across the street and we are going to find a way to tangibly bless them just to love on them and be good neighbors. So anything you answer in this poll, I want you to put it through that filter. What would really bless our neighbors in a way that they can feel, right? So sometimes we come up with an idea that, man, you know what they would love is crocheted monogrammed sweaters. Okay. That, that is not correct. Okay. Um, they, they, they'll give that, put on their little dog, stuff like, okay, so whatever. We, we just want to make sure that we are loving our neighbors in a way that they can feel and that they appreciate and we're not bugging them. Make sense? All right. Then we're going to dive through these questions. We'll go through them relatively quickly. Uh, in question number one, you can only check one answer. Just remember that. Check one answer. Which service project excites you the most? Our brainstorming team came up with these six. What about us organizing a whole massive neighborhood garage sale that we then do all the cleanup? We bring in all the dumpsters. We take away all their trash. We do all their donations, everything. We're basically covering them to clean out their house and their garage, right? Uh, Many of you would go, please, Jesus, have someone do that at my house. All right. Uh, Second one, what about free childcare once there's a trust? 
where we have, let them have a date night and we just have a big event for their kiddos, right? So we can just watch over their kids in a safe environment and they get a chance to go out. What about those free breakfast stops we were talking about? Where in the morning, we just kind of go to all the exits and we hand them coffee and donuts or whatever. Just say, hey, have a great day and let them zoom on, right? That would be fun. What about handyman uh, or car repair services? There are some of us in this congregation that are licensed and good at this stuff. What we don't want is somebody that's good in IT fixing their stairs. You understand what I'm saying? Like we would like someone who actually has that ability to help out. Um, what about a mom and kids workout and play day? We have some fitness instructors that are here that are uh, excellent at what they do. And we could maybe watch their kiddos while we do a little workout. Or what about school support? We have Boljon Middle School. We have Vensel Brown Elementary, right? What do you guys think? All right, let's take a look at those. Yep, what do we got? Man, everybody is on what? Number three, like breakfast, right? Food. It's so funny, depending on the service, what people want, right? So breakfast is a big deal right about now, all right? Uh we're going to find out that food seems to track very well with Bridgeway. All right. Let's go to question number two, because we have all these recorded and we will be able to work off these. Number two, what sort of tangible gift would you most appreciate? Let's say we drop this off at your door. Would it be number one? Coffee, tea, and other consumables, right? So little packets where you have either K-cups or you have exotic teas or whatever. Would that be something? What about conversation jars? And that's where we set the questions and everything, and they can kind of around their own dinner table. It sparks conversation with our kids and their family. We just prep those for them. What about seasonal kids? We're going into the summer, and we do a bunch of uh, like uh, sunblock and all that stuff just to give it to them as a blessing. What about uh, kids outside fun packs, meaning uh, sidewalk chalk, anything frisbees to get the kids outside to start playing together? That would be fun. And then what about gift cards, which means, hey, stop guessing what I want. Just give me something. I'll do my own shopping. Amen. Look at that. There you go. <laughs> I think you can you can kind of see the uh, introversion coming out here. Uh, don't 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 tell me I want coffee. I don't, I don't want coffee. I want, I want a gift card. Thank you. Super helpful. Super helpful. Okay. Question number three. You can only check one. And here we go. If when we do a block party, we're thinking about doing that. What's the most inviting element of a block party in your opinion? Is it food trucks? Let's say we pull food trucks and barbecue. Huh? I wonder how this is going to go. Uh, what about animal care, right? The animal care. This is like you got the little wiener dog that, you know, he's got to do a little wiener dog dash and you can kind of do the grooming and stuff. Uh, how about a kid's corner where you have like bounce houses and all that, right? Where the kids have something. What about an outdoor concert that we do some live music out there and we actually do songs that they like, right? Right? Not oceans over and over and over again. Right? All right. When, uh, um, and then how about a sports tournament? You do like a family kickball tournament where everyone can participate. Maybe you do a half court basketball thing for the kids. These are all good ideas. Which one do you think would be most fun? Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll cook your animal. Uh, excellent. All right. So here we go. The last question, question number four, you can answer multiple. All right, multiple. You can check any that apply. How, what forms of communication should we use to communicate with our neighbors? They don't know we exist, so how do we talk with them about our heart and not wanting to bother them? Maybe a social media group that we could put together. What about lawn signs? Um, what about Bridgeway Lighthouses? That's the people that we already have in our congregation that live there. Maybe we communicate through them. What about a survey, like door hangers? We can say, hey, leave me alone, don't ever talk to me again. You know, the little door hanger stuff. Um, and then what about a newsletter we could fire out to them? Any, any opinions on, on what we should do? We want to kind of feel these out. Like I said, we had our team brainstorm them. We'd love you to help shape how we do the outreach. We will then take all this information and we're going to process it through, start putting together projects. We'll come back to you about when we go live with this stuff. And we will have signups for all of you to come join us 
and go minister to this neighborhood. All right, that is it. Let's pull it down. Let's get into the word of God. Take out your Bibles and your handout sheet that was given to you at the front door and we can begin. We are in part five of our King series, and I entitled today's message, The Reformer King. And I want to recap a little bit of the King series stuff. Kind of here's how it works. Israel has a very tumultuous history, both with their leadership, just as a nation. They have always been at war, always been under struggle, and it's no different today. But we're going to go into ancient Israel. After they launched a monarchy, which means they started having a king... We had three relatively solid kings. Their names were Saul, David, and Solomon. After Solomon, the nation split into two with a north versus south, and they had separate kings. Over the next couple hundred years for the north, 400 years for the south, they ended up having 40 kings, 40 kings between the two of them. Now, In this series, we are not covering all 40 kings, all right? This would be the never-ending king series, right? You're like, I want a new king to help us stop this series. That would be awesome. We're not going to do that. So we, we broke them into three categories. There are good kings, bad kings, and complicated kings, right? Good kings, bad kings, and complicated kings. Here's the sad truth. Out of the 40 kings, there are only four good ones. That's a significant problem. There's only four good ones in my estimation. There are 30 bad ones, 29 bad kings, one bad queen, a lot of difficulty. By the way, the north doesn't have any good kings, only the south. They lasted a much longer time than the north, 160 years longer, by the way, because leadership matters. But there are six complicated kings. Now, when I talk about a good king, I'm not talking about a supernaturally perfect person. I'm talking about someone whose heart was for God, where literally the Bible says they're a good guy. There's only four of those. Now, there's some that did really great things, but then they bailed and they were all up and down, right? Okay, we can relate to that. But I want to recap briefly last week. Round of applause if you enjoyed Pastor Andrew McCourt from First Covenant. Man, isn't he great? What a, what a tremendous man. Uh, he's the same on stage as off stage, behind scenes. What a neat guy. And he just kept bragging about one thing about this church. He said, your people are so sweet. Your people are so kind. Your people are so nice. He was bragging and bragging and bragging on you all, right? That doesn't speak good for us in leadership, but that's cool. He's totally into you guys. That's fantastic. Um, so he mentioned a little bit more about our story. And that was... When it went north and south, Jeroboam, a bad king, was in the north. So we're going to focus primarily on the south. Rehoboam, or Rehoboam, is in the south. And Pastor Andrew McCourt taught his son, Abijah, also known as Abijam. Today we're going to cover his son, which is Asa, A-S-A. That's where we're going to be at today. And here's the scenario. Israel is a relatively new nation. But they went down the tubes fast. How long does it take for a nation to go down? Honestly, it can turn on a dime. It really depends on the leadership of that nation. So it had gone really badly and something had to change. So God began the process of revival. I want to talk for a moment about the beauty of revival. When I say revival or I'm talking about reformation... Or I'm talking about awakening. Here's what I mean. There are two types. There is personal revival and there is corporate or group revival. Personal revival would look something like this. Man, I feel like I'm a little disconnected from the Lord or a lot of disconnected from the Lord. I feel dry inside. I feel like there was a time when things were more vibrant and alive, but it just hasn't been. I haven't had the Lord moving in my life the same way. And then all of a sudden a fire starts. And that fire in your, in your belly begins to feel like, wow, God is near. I'm excited about things again. I have the joy of my salvation back. I'm ready to learn more. I want to go deeper. I want to go higher with the Lord. 
I begin to see answers to prayer because the Holy Spirit is just gracing me with His presence. I'm beginning to see signs and wonders in my life. I'm hearing from the Father and I'm able to pray and have a rich prayer life. That's personal revival. Do we all want that? Amen. Yeah, right? We need that for sure. Four of us do. Okay. And the rest of y'all can stay asleep. That's cool. All right. But there's also corporate revival. And what that would look like is let's say that in our church, we all of a sudden started having an upsurge in people saying, something's got to be refreshed. I want to see the presence of God in our midst. I want to pray. If you have a prayer meeting, I want to be there. I want to dig into God's word. I want to know him deeply. But all of a sudden we start having miracles kick off in the different corners, not because we did anything, but because God's moving. And what an amazing time to begin to see signs and wonders, people coming alive in their spiritual gifts, people beginning to have repentance before God, opening up their heart and saying, God, I want to say yes to the big ask. Whatever you want to do, Lord, let's do this together. And it's not just this church. We get to call up our buddies and other churches and say, man, God is doing crazy cool stuff. What's he doing at your place? Oh, you'll never believe it. God's moving in our house too. Oh, and God's moving in our house too. And the region gets caught up in a movement where it starts affecting everybody. People are drawn into the church saying, I don't even know why I'm here. But something in my heart says, I need to be here because God is here. And we have people with salvation and excitement and marriages are healed and relationships are restored. Y'all following me? I mean, this is what I pray for. Now in my own heart, I feel like I need revival a lot. I feel like, man, you give me one good week out of church and I start growing cold. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know if that's because of my personality I don't know if that's because of spiritual warfare against my position. I don't know what it is. But man, I'm out a little bit and things start going cold. It's almost like as if you had a bunch of embers in the fire and you took one and set it aside a little bit, it would grow cold real fast, right? So I need this environment. I need other people around me to say, God is good. Because it reminds me God is good. You know, I mean, it's not like I don't know that theoretically. I need to remember it for today. You know what I'm saying? And somebody says God's mercies are new every morning. I need that reminder. If they say God has a picture of you in his wallet, I need to remember how personal it is. You know what I'm saying? So I need that constant stirring from people around me. So clearly you do too, otherwise you wouldn't be here. I I love this, that we get to be together. This concept of revival is a big deal. The worse things have become, the more revival is needed, yeah? And that means a lot of change needs to occur. The fill in the blank on on the sheet in front of you and on your app is this. Sometimes significant change is needed. Sometimes significant change is needed. In our story, changes in the air. Israel has gone down the toilet and God needs a revival to hit his people. We have a brand new king. Asa comes to the throne and he is going to reign for a really long time. I need you to understand that in this day and age in ancient Israel, there was so much soap opera intrigue people were they were killing each other and that there was treason and there was all these problems and people were lasting like for three years and they'd get deposed and this family takes over this i mean it's just nastiness Asa's going to reign for 41 years that is huge i mean we're talking about that is longer than most of what the big dogs right why did he last so long Because he was a man after God's heart and God had a protection over him. Now, if you ever want to study this on your own, just know this. First Kings 15 gives you the Cliff Notes version if you want the short one. Second Chronicles 14 through 16 gives you the detailed version. We will dive in there. Would you turn with me to Second Chronicles 14.1? Second Chronicles 14.1. 
one. It is page 368 in the Bibles under the seats in front of you if you need that. If you don't have one of those, you go ahead and just jump, drop your Bible up in the middle, go to the left. You'll eventually see it. They're relatively large books. Second Chronicles 14, 1. This is what it says. Now, King Abijah slept with his fathers and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days, the land had rest for 10 years. Rest is a big deal in a nation that always has war. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the pagan Asherim and commanded Judah, his nation, to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the incense altars. And the kingdom had rest under him. He built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, for the Lord gave him peace. And he said to Judah, his nation, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him and he has given us peace on every side. So they built and prospered. Now, King says it this way. Asa did what was right in the eyes of the Lord as David, his father, had done. So we have a guy in line with the same vibe, the same love for God as David did. Awesome. David was our last greatest king. We need to dive into that. And I want to remind you that the Holy Spirit will periodically hit revival buttons. He will start raising up revivalists and revivers. How does that look personally? You're going to start getting an agitation in your spirit that says there is more. There is more. There is more. I'm not having the freedom I need to have. I'm not having the power I need to have. I am not having what? The authority that I need to be walking in. I'm not having the excitement. I'm no longer having the good news be good news. I'm no longer having the joy that I have. If you have that agitation in your spirit, that is the Holy Spirit bringing about revival in your personal heart. But he also does that in groups. He will pick a couple people out and start to spur their spirit. A lot of times it's in the leadership. And he starts spurring their hearts and says, you know there's more for your team. You know there's more for your group. The way that we are living is not seeing the fullness of the kingdom of God. We've got to do something, right? And then he brings other people to confirm it. And they're going, I felt the same thing in my spirit. I felt the same thing in my life. That is the beginnings of revival. Are we feeling those? I just need you to know that from the moment I've walked into this church, man, just wave after wave after wave, there's more, there's more, there's more. And we're going to keep pressing into it. That is our heart. I want you to write this down. God speaks to those who are listening. God speaks to those who are listening. Because a lot of us will say, well, if he really wanted my attention, he would shout. But God tends to speak in a still, small voice. Because it demands that you lean in and listen. He's not here to jar you out of everything else you think is more important than him. If you say, well, I don't know if I've heard the spirit of revival. Well, maybe he hasn't done one. Or maybe we're not listening. We've got to be listening. How revival works is caught in one phrase. And they said it in that passage twice. We sought the Lord. We sought the Lord. What is revival? It's seeking after God. What does that mean? It means he's running it, not us. And that means it's messy. That means it's a little unnerving. That means you're not in control. The leadership is not in control. Write this down. True revival is not led by mankind, but by the Holy Spirit. 
True revival is not led by mankind, but by the Holy Spirit. You see, the leadership of this church, day to day, we are trying to think of what reforms can we bring so we're all moving at maximum. But that is still what mankind can do. There's another level. There's something bigger than us. That the Holy Spirit goes, you can't even get to that level without me. I just got to blow into your church and we're doing crazy whole different stuff, right? That can only be done by the seeking of the Lord and letting him have his way. Our job is just not shut him down. Our job is just not to quench the Holy Spirit. But what's so unsettling about that is then leadership gets questions. What's going on here? I have no idea. Well, when's it going to stop? I don't know. Well, how did it start? I don't know. We end up saying, I don't know a lot. Because true revival isn't led by man. Now, we can ruin it, but we just can't make it up. That's a big difference. So here you have a nation that has gone through a beautiful revival. Now, he's removing stuff and there's changes happening and it's, it's important. Well, then they settle into a groove and they get attacked. They have the nation of Ethiopia rise up against them who's going to take them out. King Asa examines his warriors and he has 580,000 trained warriors. Sounds pretty awesome to me, right? That's a pretty big army. Problem is, Ethiopia's got one million. 580 grand compared to 1 million is not a fair fight. You're going to get wiped out. So they start to panic. And Asa does the right thing. He leans into God. If you look down a few more verses, look at verse 11, 2 Chronicles 14, 11. And King Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you and in your name we have come against this multitude. O Lord, you are our God. Let not man prevail against you. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah and the Ethiopians fled. Do you realize that God is the God of the underdog? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you can go all over the Bible and it's always this Gideon story, right? Where Gideon's like, man, I got a war I got to go into. Not sure we're going to win, but I think we have enough guys. I think we're going to be all right. And God, what? Whittles it down and whittles it down and whittles it down to what? 300. And Gideon's like, I was freaked out before. Now I'm super scared. What are you doing? And the Lord's like, that's more like it. <laughs> right? I want you to write this down. You ready? In the name of Jesus, odds don't matter. In the name of Jesus, odds don't matter. Maybe you have gotten this call. You know, your doctor says that you have a 10% chance of living. In the name of Jesus, odds don't matter. Maybe you've walked through this. Your relationship and your marriage has been dry for 13 years. You've been smashing up against boredom and disconnection. You're barely roommates. There's nothing even that feels like you can revive. In the name of Jesus, odds don't matter. Maybe you've been praying for your child who's been walking away from the Lord, got involved in the drug culture, living on the streets. Everything's a mess. In the name of Jesus, odds don't matter. We believe in a God of the impossible. We believe in a God that nothing can stand against Him. With God, all things are possible. Yeah? Amen? Praise God. Well, sure enough, we end up over in chapter 15, verse 8. But it starts out by saying, The Spirit of God came upon a prophet to go talk to the king. He's now been king for a little while. They had their reforms, but now time has passed. And this, I'll paraphrase for you. The prophet says, the nation king is not right in God's eyes underneath your watch. Indeed, God is with you if you're going to be with him. If you walk away from him, he will walk away from you. You got to remember, this is Israel. They had a special covenant and contract with God. 
He said, in the past, when God was against us, we had distress on every side. Right? Because God is our peace. But God sees your heart, King Asa. I want you to pray boldly. I want you to pray confidently that things might change here. All right, if you got a, a word like that about your life, what would you do? Right? Will you let God be the boss of you to redirect your decisions and your plans? Or are you going to double down and try to be resistant? Right? Because this is the question we've been asking through this whole series. And we'll ask this whole year. Who's the true king of you? It's got to be God. You only know that when the decisions clash. Right? If you're still running your life, you are the king of you. If God is running your life, he's the king. Hmm. Well, this is how Asa responded to that rebuke. Go to chapter 15, verse 8. As soon as Asa heard these words, the prophecy of Azariah, the son of Oded, he took courage and put away the detestable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities that he had taken in the hill country of Ephraim. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was in front of the vestibule of the house of the Lord. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from the surrounding nations who were residing with them. For, listen to this, great numbers had deserted to him from north Israel when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. Verse 10. Then they gathered at Jerusalem in the third month of the 15th year of the reign of Asa. They sacrificed to the Lord on that day from the spoil they had brought. 700 oxen, 7,000 sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, with all their heart and with all their soul. But that whoever would not seek the Lord, the God of Israel, should be put to death whether young or old, man or woman. They swore an oath to the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced over the oath, for they had sworn with all their heart. And they had sought him with their whole desire, and he was found by them. And the Lord gave them rest all around. Even Maaka. His mother, King Asa, removed from being queen mother because she had made a detestable image for the pagan goddess Asherah. Asa cut down her image, crushed it, burned it in the brook Kidron, but the high places were not taken out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was wholly true all his days. And he brought into the house of God the sacred gifts of his father and his own sacred gifts of silver gold and vessels and there was no more war until his 35th year in his reign all right why are we reforming again didn't we already do this why in the world would you need another reformation oh because people are human see here's the problem a lot of us think that we had a big move of god and it's all good now no it's not all good now you're a human being human beings leak we get all fired up and filled up from the Lord. Maybe we're at church and we're pumped up. Man, by Wednesday, you're walking on dry. Yeah? I mean, because life just sucks it out of you. Distractions and things are pulling at you. Stresses of the world. Sometimes it's just your own innate sin wrestling. Right? But by the time we've gone anywhere, we're already dry again. And the Holy Spirit needs to come back in and do a mighty work. Let me ask you, when's the last time you had a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? Right? You better not be college unless you're in college. You understand what I'm saying? We need a fresh, we need multiple fresh fillings of the Holy Spirit. We need to be able to go up to the altar or sit in a church service or be at our home and say, Holy Spirit, fill me all over again. I need more of you. I need a refreshment in my life. I need to be filled with you. That's what we need over and over. Well, they needed that too. So here we go again with the Reformation, but I want you to look at the cost. 
I want you to look at the cost. Try leading reformation. It's brutal. Why? People don't like change. By definition, reform means change. You automatically have people against you. It's disruptive, right? It says he removed the gods from the land. You go, oh, well, that sounds like a good thing. The gods wouldn't have been there if people didn't want them there. You're pulling stuff out of their lives. It's how they run their lives. It's what they rely on. It's how they hang with their neighbors. It's what makes them feel good about themselves. And he strips it all out. You know how many people he agitated in that time? Now his polls are going down, right? Everybody's like, man, this guy's a terrible leader. What's wrong with this guy? There's all kinds of problems. And look how much it offended people. How do you think that went down with his mom? My mom's right here in the congregation. You think I'm going to mess with deposing her, right? You know what I'm saying? It's this idea that he, he had the queen mother. She was a huge deal in the nation. And he said, I don't care who you are. You're not walking with the Lord at all. We're not going to play this game. It's not like I'm going to have this nepotism where just because you're my mom, you're going to be able to stay in here and do whatever you want. That's not going to work. How do you think that went for the next Thanksgiving? You know what I'm saying? It's awkward, like forever after, right? You lose stuff. Look at the sacrifice. 700 oxen. I'm down for a good steak. I like that. That sounds fantastic. 700 of them. People weren't eating these. They were burning them up. 7,000 sheep. I love lamb chops. I just ordered them the other night, right? That's awesome. But 7,000, you just burned it up. That is a serious amount of cash that just came right out of your nation and got burned up to nothing. You lose stuff, but you gain stuff, don't you? Isn't that the point? That God empties us out to fill us back up with better stuff? But sometimes you get a little mixed bag. Now, one thing that was cool is, did you hear the phrase that even people in the north, when they found out God was moving in the south, they actually migrated down? Now, some of those people were probably pretty awesome. And I'll tell you this, as a church, if God starts moving in a crazy cool way that's out loud, people are going to come over to Bridgeway and there's good and bad. So the good is those that have said, I've been tracking with the Lord for years and I always want to come in to help support the structure of bringing revival to God's people. Now those are a win. Anytime you get somebody like that, that is a huge win. But you also get miracle chasers. You understand what I'm talking about? Man, God's moving and he's doing crazy miracles. So we're all going to go over there. What the problem with the whole group, if miracle chasers flock in, what's the problem? They flock out. Write that down. Flock in, flock out. You understand what I'm saying? And and no, that's not helpful. That's not helpful to anything. That does not sustain a move of God. What if you still need some bumps? If everyone just bails every time it doesn't work, it's just chasing whatever is exciting. That's not healthy. But God does have great, amazing movements where somebody just goes, Lord, I just want to know where you're at. I just want to be in your presence. But revival is not for the faint of heart. Now, I'm never going to endorse an old school revival like this where they're like, you either revive or we will kill you, right? (laughs) Did you guys see that in the story? And we'll just kill you all. Uh, That's not healthy, right? It better be ancient Israel or not at all, right? We're not doing that. But what I loved most was real reform isn't perfect. It says he didn't remove all the high places, but yet his heart was fully God's. What does that mean? It means that he's still just a man. Y'all, when real revival moves through, when it's done, you still have human beings. You still have problems. You still have challenges, right? It doesn't clean up everything. Why? Because we're still hanging on to some stuff. We don't completely. Now, we let go a lot, but we still have some stuff we're wrestling with. But notice that God, when it comes to external reputation, God graves on a curve. Have you noticed that? Why? Because he's like, man, this guy was wholly true all his ways. You're going to find out this guy blows it at the end. But he's still written down as he's legit the whole way through. That's called grading on a curve. God knows that you're human. God knows you're fallible. Some of us get into these little melancholy perfectionist tendencies, right? And we're just like, man, nothing's right. I'm a failure. I'm the... It's okay to be in process. God's not done with you yet. He's working on you. Well, if I can't be like that, this is real life. 
It's messy. That's how it works. I want you to write down this statement. God will only fill the empty portion of our lives. God will only fill the empty portion of our lives. So I remind you, as long as you and I are filled up with ourselves, there's no room for God to move. That's why humility is necessary. I'll tell you, revival tends to involve two elements. And that's why revival doesn't happen very often. Two elements. Prayer and repentance. Prayer in a concerted, prevailing, deep, God-seeking way. If there is not much prayer, there will not be much revival. Secondly, it's repentance. Repentance means I not only know I messed up, I don't want to ever go that way again, and I'm going a completely different direction. Do you understand why revival doesn't happen very often? It's got to work with empty, open hearts. Will we ever be the congregation that is willing to pursue him in prayer and repent and let him be the king of us? If we are, you will see revival. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. So let's close this guy's life out. So he uh, reigned for 41 years. The last six, he was a mess. He fell apart from 36 to 41 years in his reign. Here comes the north. The north is now sick and tired of the south. They come and attack, scare the living daylights out of them. King Basha's in the north. And so this is how Asa reacts. He ends up taking all of God's stuff from his temple, all the expensive stuff, and buys off the nation of Syria. Syria um, was united with the north. He said, if I pay you enough money, will you break your treaty with them, defend us, and beat them up? And they said, sure, if you got enough cash. We don't like either one of you. And it works. They beat up the north, and the north lets them go, and the south is fine. So, hey, it worked out. It was practical, right? What's the problem with that? Sometimes God's answers aren't the practical answer. Maybe it's not about practicality. Maybe it's about obedience. Ah, what happens? Take a look in Second Chronicles sixteen seven. At that time, Hanani the seer, that's a prophet, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and you didn't rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians that million-man army and the Libyans a huge army with many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. You might want to underline verse 9. It's cool. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this king. From now on, you will have war. Bummer. What's the difference between the last rebuke and this rebuke? Here's my guess. He was king longer. When you are so used to being in charge, it's very hard to give up power. If you're so used to being right and the good guy and doing everything cool, you don't want a a bad mark on your record. You don't need some prophet coming publicly and rebuking you. That's embarrassing. When God corrects you and embarrasses you, how are you going to respond? That's hard. You going to run away from him? King Asa did. If you look with me in verse 10, then Asa was angry with the prophet, put him in prison, for he was enraged with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties among some of the people at the same time. His very demeanor changed. The acts of Asa from first to last are written in the book of Kings. And in the 39th year, verse 12, Asa was diseased in his feet and his disease became severe. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers, dying in the 41st year of his reign. They buried him in the tomb that he had cut for himself in the city of David. They laid him on a bier that had been filled with various kinds of spices prepared by the perfumer's art, and they made a very great fire in his honor. Bummer. Things started falling apart. Why? Write this down. When we reject God's will for us, we lose our peace. 
When we reject God's will for us, we lose our peace. Why? Because His will is our peace. We think, why am I so agitated in my life? Why are things so amiss? Maybe you have shut God out. When we reject God's will for us, we lose our peace. I do want to clarify one phrase. Is he got busted for consulting the doctors and not God? I want to be clear on what this means. The Bible teaches that God moves through miracle and medicine. How do we know that? Because Paul traveled with Luke. What did Luke do for a living? He was a doctor. God is pro-doctors. That's how he fixes a lot of his kids. But understand, the reason why he got busted is that faith wasn't even on the menu. Faith wasn't even on the menu. The idea of opting to go to God wasn't even a thing. It wasn't God and I should go get checked out. It was just God doesn't exist anymore. How did he fall that far away? Mm, That's the tough part. Can I have the prayer team come on up here? One thing that is so encouraging, though, is that God didn't let him lose his legacy. If you look at future kings, they start matching him against him. The good guys said, oh, he's good because he was like King Asa. Oh, the bad guys, they were bad because they were not like King Asa. God still let his name, his reputation be good. He had a beautiful burial and he had honor, even though he messed up. God knows you're human and he understands. Y'all, the famous phrase written many years ago is true today. We can't go further with God and stay where we're at. You can't go further with God and stay where you're at. It requires change. And if change is not allowed, you will stay where you are. Can I have us all stand as we close? Here's what we're going to do. As I pray us out, I want to pray personal revival into your lives. I want to just pray collectively that God would move in our midst, that we would say yes to Him and His ways just as we leave. Once again, the altar is going to be open and the altar is, they just want to pray for you. So whatever you have, let's bring it to them. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we say yes to your ways. Lord, that this is your church and we collectively say yes in advance. That God, if you want to bring change into our sanctuary, onto our campus, into this church, it is yours in the first place. So you get to be the boss. You're the king. So we say yes. Lord, draw us into prayer, deeply seeking your face. Show us why we must repent so that we might be free and lighthearted before you. Show us that you empower us in a mighty way whenever we give over our lives to you. Lord, lead us in your revival. In our personal lives, God, encourage that agitation, that irritation of holiness within our spirit that we know there's more for us. Lord, lead us with your kindness. Lead us with the thought of more peace and more power and more joy and more excitement. Lord, that we would want that more than we want our status quo. Father, would you just wash us afresh with your blessing? Wash us afresh with your favor. Draw us and lead us into your heart that you might be glorified. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Have a wonderful weekend.